0: All right, today we're going to look at uh, Zechariah chapter 7 and what we're going to be looking at is uh, one of the most dangerous things uh, in the world. Uh, what Zechariah addresses in chapter 7 is perhaps the deadliest weapon against the against the souls of men. Now, when I say that, you you're probably thinking um you know about all kinds of different sins and temptations and all all these things. Uh, All kinds of blackness and darkness out in the world. Uh, But the reality is that what he's going to talk about is false religion and false religion is far more dangerous than uh, than anything else, in, in my opinion. If you uh, if you think about it, Jesus, you know, in the Gospels, he didn't have any problem with uh, all the lost and broken sinners, the, the lepers, and the prostitutes, and all those uh, who were wallowing in filth and sin. I say he didn't have any problem. He came to deliver them out of that sin. He didn't leave them where they were, but he healed the brokenhearted. He he ate with uh, with sinners and tax collectors. He cleansed the lepers. Um, you know, who everyone else saw as unclean and unfit, but Jesus's main enemies in the gospel accounts and, and perhaps, you know, um, the most important falsehood that we see that the, uh, the new Testament epistles address is false religion, false, these religious leaders who believe they're working their way, uh, to being righteous before God, um, it's one of the deadliest things that, uh, uh, I, as I'm talking, I'm thinking through the uh, the epistles and Romans and, and the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, Galatians, Colossians, even Ephesians, and uh, all the epistles in some way or another make reference to uh, Judaizers or religious uh, people who are trying to discount the doctrine of justification by faith. And, and so it's a huge, huge deal in the, in the New Testament and, of course, in life it's as well this religious mindset that we're going to see in Zechariah chapter 7 it's not just about trying to be good in order to merit God's favor although that is part of it uh, the people uh, we're going to deal with in this chapter they uh they're those who are They're just going through the motions. But, you know, that's what they've always done. That's their tradition. That's their ritual. That's their religion. Uh, their hearts are not longing for God or, you know, they're not seeking to draw closer to God. They're, they're They're satisfied, satisfied with doing the same things they've always done. And, you know, and if you were to ask about their relationship with God, they would point to their religion as proof that everything is fine. Well, look, see what we do. You know, we're fine um you see this mindset everywhere uh even in the modern day many people you know have a sunday morning christianity where christ is nothing more than an accessory in their lives he he's not the center he he's not the focus and the very beat of their hearts instead people live for for whatever they desire and as long as as long as we keep the traditions you know our place is secure with god as long as we go to church at the appointed time and you know we don't murder anybody uh, surely we're good enough to get into heaven and this is the idea that Zechariah's is going to prophesy against in chapter in chapter seven so uh as we read it i'll just start with the first three three verses the this is where he's setting the scene for us it says in the fourth year of king darius uh some say darius but i'm from tennessee i'm gonna say darius sorry uh the word of the lord came to Zechariah on the fourth month on the fourth day of the ninth month which is chislev now the people of bethel had sent uh, sherezer and regam uh, and their men to entreat the favor of the lord saying to the priests of the house of the lord of hosts and and the prophets should i weep and abstain in the fifth month as i, as I have done for so many years um so here i hope you're following along with your own bible because i, I know i butchered some of those names but here we see a group of uh, of um, uh, religious men who who come to the temple, you know which is in the process of being rebuilt. Remember the context of zechariah and they ask the priests and prophets if they could if they should keep on fasting and mourning in the fifth month now of course it's going to seem strange strange question to ask, uh, especially for modern readers, but it'll help you if you know why they they engaged in this ritual uh, for so long. Uh, remember that the jews had been in exile for 70 years god sent them into into babylon because of their sin and their refusal to repent now after the persian king cyrus conquered babylon and i know we've talked about all this before um he allowed them to to come back to the land and start building the city again (laughs) the setting of chapter seven is the fourth year of king darius um, this would uh, this would put the prophecy, this prophecy in chapter 7, about two years after the visions that Zechariah had in chapters 1 through 6. Um, in the days of the exile, the Jews, you know, when they were gone for 70 years in Babylon, the Jews kept four solemn fasts, four uh, ritual days, you know. Of course, in addition to the feasts and the other holy days that they kept, these four days uh, were days of mourning and weeping and fasting because of the destruction of Jerusalem and, and the temple. And then that was what caused them to go into their uh, exile in the first place. These four days, on the ninth day of the fourth month, they now these. You only have to remember one of them, but I'm telling you all four. Only one applies to our. Our uh, discussion today, but on the ninth day of the fourth month, the Jews held a day of mourning for the breach of the city walls. When uh, when Nebuchadnezzar breached the city walls, it's a day of mourning and fasting and remembrance and all that on the 18th day of the fifth month. This is the one that concerns us on the 18th day of the fifth month. They mourned the burning of the temple in the city. And on on the third day of the seventh month, they mourned the murder of Gedaliah. He was the governor um, uh, that, that Nebuchadnezzar had put into place. Uh, and, of course, along with that was a massacre of about 80 men. That's All that's recorded for you in Jeremiah chapter 41. So if you want to read about that, you can go over there. Uh, And then the fourth day was on the 10th day of the 10th month. They mourned the day that Nebuchadnezzar actually began his siege around the city. And, of course, it lasted years. And so these four days in this year were days that they set aside for weeping and mourning and fasting and and days of remembrance days of uh it, it became part of their religious piety it became part of their tradition they were days marked by weeping and mourning for the events that had taken place among god's people and the and the temple of the lord but now at this point in time they saw the city being rebuilt the temple was being reconstructed. There were priests and prophets back in the land proclaiming God's word and and, and pronouncing the coming blessings of the kingdom of God. So they sent these emissaries to the priests and the prophets that were uh, there in Jerusalem rebuilding the city and they asked them if they should discontinue the fast, the days of mourning and weeping that they had held in the fifth month. Remember that was Um, I'm looking back up uh, verse, well, verse three, that was the question they asked, should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I have done for so many years. And the question was because the fifth month day of feasting, uh, feasting, fasting and and weeping was for the temple that had been destroyed. Well, now, you know, they thought since the temple stands again, you know, at least it was in process of being rebuilt. They wanted to know if they should stop this day of mourning and fasting because they were fasting and mourning for the temple. But yet here's the temple. So should we stop doing this? Uh, The problem with this is that they weren't truly repentant regarding what caused their judgment in the first place. Uh, When these feasts, I keep saying feasts, when these fasts and days of weeping and mourning were instituted, they may very well have been, uh, the people may have been sorry that all the tragedy had happened. But the establishment of these uh, fasts and days of mourning, it quickly became nothing more than religious tradition. Uh, let's put it this way. They may have very well been regretful about what had happened, but they weren't repentant. It was their sin that caused the destruction of the city. God brought Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians in direct judgment of the sin, that the idolatry that they were involved in. Jeremiah decried that for his whole ministry. Uh, And so uh, instead of repenting for the sinfulness that caused it, they were they were weeping and mourning that the tragedy had happened. Uh, And therefore, their religious ritual was useless. Uh, So here they come asking if they should still keep this day of mourning for the temple since the temple is being rebuilt in the land. And and look at the response that they're going to get from God through the prophet Zechariah. He says, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Uh, This is verse five. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, for those 70 years... Was it for me that you fasted? The question Zechariah poses expects a negative answer. He isn't just asking the question, hoping they would think about it. You know, the question is, did you really do this for me? The question, um, the the obvious answer is no. The point that he's making is that they did not keep this fast on God's behalf. They were regretful about what had happened. But they weren't repentant for their sin that caused the judgment to fall upon them. And this is a huge indicator of false religion. When a when a person who says they're a believer just goes through the motions of the traditional ritual and, and doesn't have a heart that is repentant before God, that person is standing on very, very dangerous and shaky ground. There is a huge difference between being sorry for something and being repentant before God. Uh, What I mean by that is you can be sorry that you did a certain thing or that a certain thing happened, but still not be... Repentant before God. Let me give you a perfect example. Throughout the New Testament, um, the word metanoia is used for is translated repentance. Uh, when someone says repent before God, uh, uh, that's what you know Peter used when in Acts chapter two when he commands the people to repent and be baptized in the in the you know context of repentance toward God. Uh, It it means to turn away from or or the changing of the mind. You know, some have said that it is it's it's not just admitting that something is wrong. It it surely includes that. Uh, It surely includes the understanding that a certain action is wrong, but it's a turning away from the practice of such. In the book of John, he uses the word epistrepho, which means to turn from. Um, but the word, it's all it's translated, epistrepho is translated as converted. It means to turn from, to turn away from. Um, for example, Jesus tells Peter that uh, Satan desires to sift him as wheat, but Jesus has prayed for Peter. And then he says, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren, or, or when you are turned back. Um, there's a huge difference between... This kind of repentance, this turning away, this metanoia, this this turning away from uh, sin and turning to God than just being sorry. Uh, the idea of just being sorry, something happened is also in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 27, uh, the Bible says that Judas repented himself. But the word here is not metanoia that's used. It's metamelami. And it speaks of uh, the fact that he regretted, you know, he regretted what had happened. Um, you can even see that as he tossed the 30 pieces of silver back at the priest. You know, he he, he would have changed things if he could have gone back and changed them. Uh, he he would have done things different, uh, but he did not repent toward God. Instead, he went out and, and, and hung himself. And so you see the distinction. You see the distinction. Uh, and and I know that he didn't repent toward God because the New Testament roundly um uh criticizes him calls him a devil a demon son of perdition the one who went to his own place in acts chapter one peter said you know he he we we need to give a new place we need to give uh when they were electing a new uh a replacement for judas they said that he went to his own place and so uh that's why i say that so but the point is here uh god challenges them those people that have come to ask about the fasting day he challenges them when they ask about continuing the fast it's almost like god says day of mourning oh oh were you were you mourning for me uh, unfortunately i mean you can see the same thing today these men they weren't holding a day of repentance where they cried out to god for their sin they were holding a memorial for the fact that their city was destroyed they were mourning the consequences of their of their sin, but not mourning their, the sin itself. Uh, in a sense, people still do the same thing today. If we're if we're honest, really, we can all see some of this in our own hearts in our own lives. Um, recently, this year, just an example, there was a scandal involving a website called AshleyMadison dot com. This website specializes in helping men and women. Connect so they can have extramarital affairs, and uh, somehow the, the the list of their clients was leaked out, uh, you know, along with their email addresses, and and the results, man, were disastrous for lots of people. Uh, there were even a few Christian leaders on that list, uh, and then, of course, when the story broke uh, that they were that they were there. Uh, looking into the possibility of having an affair, not not even having a affair, but just having their name on the list, the Christian people came out with these swelling words of sorrow and repentance and apology and and all these things. And now I don't know their hearts. I, I don't presume to judge their relationship with God. You know, we all have sin, but the question asked here is the question that is uh, uh directly relevant to our discussion is that were they repentant because they were sorry for having sinned against god or were they repentant because they got caught and that's the real issue here now before we get all holier than thou on those nasty old adulterers you know we should all look at the skeletons in our own closet when a when a person watches a dirty movie is he repentant before god or does it take getting caught doing it to bring him down to repentance when a person cheats on their taxes, you know, or cheats on a test in school um can that person just go on like nothing happened, no harm, no foul? Or are are you only repentant when somebody catches you? Uh, you see there's a big difference between being repentant before God and just regretting that something happened. Um God is he's present Uh, in his omniscience in every aspect of our lives and no one should ever think that sin done in the dark is okay as long as it never comes to light and none of us would ever say that but yet we engage we engage in it thinking well you know no it's no big deal nobody saw it it's okay it'll it'll be fine sin will always come into the light everything done in darkness will be revealed on the day of the lord even even if it never comes to the public eye it will be revealed to the world on the day of the lord he He even says that men will be held accountable for every idle word they speak. We we can't use God for our own ends. And that's what was going on here. The point is not to seek after God's blessings. It's to seek after God. These men in front of Zechariah didn't really want God. They just wanted to know if they should keep up their religious ritual since they... You know, they now had the temple back. They shouldn't have to fast anymore. So we see the first point Zechariah makes to these religious men. False religion may be regretful about sin. It may be, but it's not truly repentant for it. That's the first thing. Second thing is we see that false religion in the heart of men will always be self-centered. False religion will always be self-centered. It's all about me. Uh, In verse 6, God says through Zechariah, he says, And when you eat and when you drink, Do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Now, remember, this is this is part of the sentence that he said earlier. He said the whole thing was when you fasted in the in the fifth month, did you fast for me? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? The point is that God knows their hearts. They were coming to talk to the priests, looking all pious and religious. But when they asked their question, God called them out about their sin, He said that, hey, when you're eating and drinking, you're doing it for yourselves anyway. You know, your religious rituals and and your days of mourning, they they were all about you. They were all about your self-pity. They were all about saying, woe is me, rather than crying out to the Lord saying, I'm sorry for having offended you. Um, Their religion was designed to make them feel better rather than turn them to the path of repentance and faith. It, It didn't matter if God liked it or not. It didn't matter if God honored their day of mourning or not, and it's clear from what God says here that he did not, uh, as long as it made them feel better, it was all good. It was all about their emotional needs being met and their religious experience. If you take a sweeping look at the Old Testament prophets, you'll you'll find universally that that uh, they, they brought a message that didn't make people feel too good uh more often than not the message in various forms was repent and turn back to god that was their message despite what many people think most of the time the the prophets weren't uh predicting the future they were shouting thus saith the lord and and of course you know you know what happened to them from isaiah to jeremiah they were mistreated rebuked rejected because of their message. Their message didn't make people feel good. And this is especially true in Jeremiah's case. Uh, But you you see the same thing today. The word of God is the same today as it was then. Uh, It's for correction, instruction, reproof. But but when God corrects, it usually hurts. And so these men who stood before Zechariah had instituted a religious day of mourning and weeping, not to repent and cry out to God, but to make themselves feel better about how religious and pious they were. This is why God tells them that what they were doing, they weren't doing for God. They were doing it for themselves. And that's a perfectly clear mark of false religion. The true relationship with God is always centered on God. It only comes through the mediation of christ and everything that we call religion is done in vain if it's not done for god's pleasure for god's glory and out of a love for him up till now i've used the word religion in a negative sense but we all have a religion christianity is a religion of course it's it's the only religion it's the only true religion because it's the only one that deals with man's sin and god's justice justice um But whatever we call religion, the question we need to ask is, am I concerned about sin? Am I concerned about the things that God is concerned about? Honestly, ask yourself, when was the last time you wept before God about your own sin? It doesn't take somebody finding out about it and calling you out about it or or whatever. When was the last time that you just wept before God about your sin? Uh, the funny thing about sin and worldliness is that the more we engage in it, the easier it gets. Our hearts get hard to the fact that we're living dis- disobediently. Um, false religion is will always be one that says, you know what, everything's okay. We all make mistakes. Don't be so hard on yourself. A true relationship with God is always accompanied by the Holy Spirit being shed abroad in our hearts. And and although we're not condemned in our sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are also not comfortable in our sin anymore because the spirit has given us a new heart. It's made us a new creature. And so uh, saving faith, what we would call saving faith is a faith that is lived out day by day as the spirit transforms us daily and renews our mind okay so next we're gonna see that was number one was uh uh, false religion is uh man what was number one (laughs) that's not funny i know number two was false religion was self-centered and number one was uh false oh yeah false religion was was uh uh Regretful, but it's not repentant. That's what it says. That's right. I had to scroll back through and check that. And the next thing. Number three in verse seven. We're going to see that false religion is always going to reject God's word. Um, this is what it says. Verse seven. Were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with her cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? Zechariah's message. It really shouldn't come as much of a shock to you people that's what he was ta- what he's saying to the people that were standing in front of him it's not a new message isn't this the same thing god's been telling you through the prophets even before the city was destroyed in the first place you know now here we are 70 plus years down the road after god god's judgment has broken forth on the people because they would not listen and even now after god has relented of the judgment that he inflicted the people still refused to listen to the commands these men who stood before zachariah presumably they were well versed in the word of god they were certainly very religious they kept all the feast days and fast days they were probably went to the synagogue every sabbath and heard the reading expounding of god's word but now that the city was being rebuilt and the temple re-established instead of obeying the word of the lord they already had in their possession they were seeking after something else. They came wanting to know if God would let them stop this fast in the fifth month. They rejected the revelation they had already received. Because Zechariah telling them, did not this what God already told you? They rejected that revelation and were hoping the priests and the prophets were going to give them something new to go on. Uh, once again, it's the same song and dance you see, all see today. People always want God to... To give them fresh revelation about their particular circumstances. You know, when he's given us perfect and complete revelation in himself and his word. Uh, When people experience the judgment of God, they want want God to show up and tell them what's going on. Why are you doing this to me? Rather than looking to his word and examining their own lives by it. Uh, Just the other day, there were plenty of news reports about horrible things going on in the world, tragedies and evil things. And in the midst of all these things, I saw an article that was titled, Why is God not fixing this? Well, the answer to that question is simple. When a people forsake God, God forsakes the people. It's as simple as that. I mean, you see it over and over again. And uh, even on a, on a different note, on, a, on, a, on a, as believers, it, we look at this and, you know, we can see we look at the word of God and, and we know for certain that he is in the process of fixing the broken creation it surely won't be fixed the way that you know most people will want it to be fixed you know he's doing what he does and he has a purpose and plan and his decree to do whatever it is that he is doing to uh, to move us to uh, toward righteousness and redemption uh, but there will come a day when everything that's wrong will be made right so false religion will always reject In one way or another, it'll reject God's word. It won't maybe won't come out and say, oh, I reject God's word. But in practice, it will uh, it will reject it will reject God's word and it will go on, you know, its own thoughts, its own feelings, its own whatever. And from verse eight uh, from verse eight uh, to the I guess the first. First part of verse 12, we're going to be shown that false religion in in all its various forms, it it fails to represent God and and follow after him. Uh, These men surely thought they were followers of God. But but notice what Zechariah says in verses nine through twelve. Um, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against Another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped the ears, stop their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear. Uh, they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger. Came from the Lord of Hosts. Now there's a whole lot in that. There's a whole lot going on in there, and I know I'm reading them of a verse at a time, but you can't forget what's come before. This is all part of one big speech that Zechariah is giving them. He's saying, you know, you, you should have learned from the former prophets, and this is the message that that they sent to you. You are to render true judgments and show kindness, mercy to one another, uh, not to oppress, and, and, and all those things that he lists there uh, he tells them what is expected this is what god has called them to do and to be uh, make sure you understand though that the commands in this section that's what true religion looks like in mankind it's not what you have to do in order to manifest a true religion um, this is a very important distinction to make um, the evidence of a true and living relationship with God is a heart that is being molded to look like gods uh, it'd be a, a huge mistake to take these commands and look at them simply as a list of rules uh, to follow in order to be right with God. I mean if that were the case, uh, you know in order to be righteous before god you you 'd have to keep them perfectly so if, if this were a list of rules to uh, make yourself right before God. Uh, when it says to to use righteous judgment to to render true judgments show kindness and mercy to one another if that were the test uh, if that were not the test but if that were the the uh, the requirement for justification you would have to do that perfectly and, and so even here he, he's not uh, he's not uh, telling them uh, in order to be right with God this is what you must do he's showing them what a true uh faith of God looks like what truly seeking after God looks like they've come and they've asked you know do we keep this ritual religion religious day that we've set aside for the temple when the temple is being rebuilt he said you didn't do that for me in the first place you were doing it for yourselves he says don't you remember what the former prophets have told you this is what God expects from you this is what God uh is calling you to be this is not just a simple list of rules to follow in order to be right with god uh what it shows is that this is what god expects of his people rather than having this ritualistic religion he himself supplies in their hearts uh what they need to come into relationship with Him, and He changes hearts so that their lives will manifest. In these, Zechariah is calling them to recognize the the flaw in their religious logic. Uh, Zechariah tells them instead of instead of your religious ritual fastings and mornings, they should exercise true judgment, show compassion, don't oppress the needy, don't harbor evil against one another. The this list contains the exact same things that jesus tells his people to do in the new testament uh, in the outline uh, of zechariah chapter 7 you can get it on on the website um i listed the new testament verses that command believers to do exactly what zechariah tells these men they're supposed to be doing and, and we know that we're not speaking about perfection because if we were none of us Uh, could ever hope to be what what God expects us to be. We're speaking about a lifestyle, a practice, uh, a habitual lifestyle of seeking after God, of obeying God's commands and doing His will. Now, it, it may be an easy thing for a believer to slip into sin or do something stupid. We've seen that before. We've seen it in our own lives. But those who have the Holy Spirit are disciplined by God to hear His word and obey His commands. He will bring the wandering sheep back to the fold if they're Truly, his sheep in the first place. Uh, Hebrews twelve eight tells us that he chastises those that he loves. But look at what the people standing before Zechariah do with this information. They came seeking an answer to their question about their religious things and all all the the days of mourning and weeping and and all those deals. And Zechariah ended up giving them a a, a less than subtle rebuke as to what they were supposed to be doing all this time anyway. He basically told them, you know, you hadn't been doing this for God anyway. This is what God requires of you. And then verse 11, we saw it a minute ago, it says, but they refused to pay attention and And turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the word that the Lord of hosts has sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. They stopped up their ears. They refused to listen to what God has to say. The whole episodes, the whole episode seems strange to me. I mean, they came asking the question as to whether or not they should continue this religious tradition of keeping the day of mourning for the temple and then god shows up and tells them that this ritual day they created was useless anyway and they should have been doing what god told them to do from the beginning and instead of hearing the answer to their question taken to heart they refused to listen Uh, their hearts were hardened To reject his word. It it seems like they wanted to keep their own little religious thing going. They wanted to keep their own religion intact. They didn't really want God. They wanted the the pretense of God. They would have probably been fine. If Zechariah had said. uh, No you don't have to keep it anymore. It's all good. They would have been fine with that. Uh, They would have probably been fine. If he said yes you still need to keep that day. Uh, Either way their religion. Would be their their own personal emotional crutch it would have been kept intact but what Zechariah told them was that they needed to lay all that down because it was useless that man-made religion it wasn't doing any good anyway and give themselves to the God of creation uh, to give themselves fully and to to follow his will Uh, they would have done anything but that (laughs) they refused to heed the warnings and instead they followed their own hearts Man, I can't think of a more dangerous thing to do than to follow your heart. You hear that saying? Just follow your heart. I, I have a, a a little clip, a video clip, in my my library of, of videos that I use for you know teaching purposes or illustrations or whatever. And uh, it, it's all these little children's cartoons saying, "Follow your heart, follow your heart." You know, you're supposed to just follow your heart. Man, I can't think of anything more dangerous to do than follow your heart. Our hearts are wicked. They're desperately wicked and evil. My heart would lead me as far away from God as my chubby little feet could carry me. Uh, I need a new heart. and, and I, I need a continually renewing mind. And so did they. And so do you. God was calling them to live his message, not just agree with it. This is something that. We see so often today that God has, uh, you know, he he's given us his message, not just so that we might agree with his word. Um, It's great to agree. Lots of people agree, but it's it's so we can live his word so we can uh, take up our cross and follow him. Uh, God's calling disciples and followers who give their lives to come after him, to think his thoughts after him, be his hands and feet in the world. Um, finally, Zechariah shows the, the consequences of holding to a ritual, traditionalistic religion instead of having uh, a relationship with God. He shows us uh, the judgment of God in two different ways. He gives us the passive judgment and the active judgment of God. The the end of verse uh, 12 and 13 say, therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. Verse 13 says, as I called and they would not hear. So they called And I would not hear, said the Lord of hosts. God says, God says, fine. You know, if you won't listen to me, then I won't listen to you. When when we think about God's wrath more often than not, we think about, you know, pictures of fire and darkness, tornadoes and hail, death and destruction. But but honestly, I I don't think there is a scarier picture of God's wrath than than what we have right here. Uh, when God decides to just turn man over to what they desire, God says, you want you want to follow another God? Fine. Uh, let that God save you when you fall into a pit. Call out to that God when you get in trouble. See if that God will deliver you from judgment. Uh, Paul said God would not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. God cried out to them. They would not listen. So when they cry out to God, he says he won't listen. Uh, Paul shows us this same thing in Romans chapter one, when he says that the people exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So God turned them over to their own lust. They were given over to what he calls a reprobate mind. Uh, Man, it's that's scary. Uh, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So, I mean, everything we enjoy in this life and, and, and the life to come, I mean, it's a gift of God's grace. Whether a whether person's saved or lost, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. Every, everyone can enjoy the warmth of a sunny day or the beauty of a landscape or, or whatever it is that you enjoy. But we enjoy these things because it reflects the presence of God. What happens when, when, when God turns that presence away from us and, and refuses to hear us? Um, that passive judgment of God, him turning away, it's a scary thing. And then in the, in the verse 14, it shows us the active judgment, what it, what he will do actively. He says, and I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. Thus, the land they left was desolate so that no one went to and fro and the pleasant land was made desolate. Uh, this attitude of the heart is the whole reason God scattered them in the first place. what they 're demonstrating right now is is the the problem and and Zechariah also points forward to a time when God would fully and perfectly judge all man 's rebellion he says that he 'll sweep them away in a storm. Uh, this is what he did before it 's what he'll do again. Uh, it was God who caused them to go into exile and be captive in Babylon for seventy years. It was God who caused their land to become desolate. God did it, and God says that he did it in in the book of Jeremiah. You can read that everyone loves to quote jeremiah twenty nine eleven uh, which, you know, it says for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and, and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I mean, what a wonderful promise. It's, it, it's probably hanging in a picture frame in your house somewhere. Uh, but that promise doesn't mean that you won't have to endure trial. It doesn't mean that God doesn't punish sin anymore. Uh, If you go back and pick up Jeremiah 29 at verse four, it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, God did it. Uh, He then tells them after that, of course, that they should build when we're talking about Jeremiah. Now, when he sent them in exile, he tells them they need to build houses and take wives in the city uh, that they're being sent to. And he tells them in the same chapter not to listen to the lying prophets who tell them that God's going to protect them from being destroyed. God's going to save them in their city. Uh, He told them, no, I'm sending you to Babylon. God is just and holy and he'll punish sin either on the cross or. Or in your own person. God can never leave justice undone. Man can't escape if he neglects so great a salvation. And this is what we see here in Zechariah chapter 7. Is that false religion. Uh, no matter what form it takes. It could take the form of other religions. It could take take the form of a person just professing a nominal Christianity. Uh, it's deadly. It's self-centered. It will always deny God's word. It will always justify Wrong behavior, it'll always justify whatever the heart wants, Uh, and it is always judged by God.